All right, turn in your Bibles if you brought them or on your phones to 1 Corinthians 12, and it's going to start in verse 4. Um, We're going to pick that up in a minute. But today we're going to start launching into the specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. I told you guys it's coming. It's actually here. It's exciting. Um, And so I'm really excited to kind of break these down for you guys. We're we're, uh, continuing our theme of being naturally supernatural, just this idea that all of us are supernatural beings by God, and we do that in a very natural way. And it's supposed to look normal and natural. It's not supposed to look, you know, quirky and, and weird, although it might at times. Um, And so what I want to do is, if you're a note taker, I want you to write down these three questions. One thing I found really helpful as I've studied the Bible over the years is to ask questions to the Lord about what I'm reading, right? Not to just take it at face value. Last week I shared with you guys how there's lots of different lenses we can read the word through. We can read it through a historical lens. We can read it through a, a cultural lens or the lens of what it says about God as a father, right? All these different things. And so um, one of the things that's been really helpful for me that I learned a long time ago from a pastor friend is to ask questions as I'm reading. And so as you're reading this section, and if you're someone that likes to follow along at home, this the chapters 12, 13, and 14 are what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks. So you can be reading that at home. And here's the questions. Are you ready? All right, pertaining to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what are they? Okay, so as we're going through these scriptures, you can be asking yourself, what are these gifts? The second question is, how are they used? Simple enough, right? And then the third question is, why do we need them working or at work in our life? So what are they? How are they used? And why do we need them at work in our life? Okay, Um, I love when I read the word and I'm looking for the answers to questions like these. I find things that I maybe would skim over in other ways. So this is just a helpful tool for you. Um, Okay, are you ready? Here we go. Actually, one more thing I want to say before we dive into the scripture. If you guys are doing the path book with you, would you just raise your hand if you've done the path or are doing the path book? Awesome. Great. Um, So Lori Beth Jones wrote this book called The Path. It's an awesome book, kind of defining your purpose here in the earth. And so there's an exercise towards the beginning, and I didn't want to spoil it for anybody. So if you haven't read it yet, sorry, uh, now you know. But if you've already read it, you've already done this part. And she was talking about the story of Jesus and the talents, right? Jesus was telling the parable of the talents. And that the landowner came and he distributed talents. I don't know if you're familiar with this parable. He gave one talent to one service servant, five to another, ten to another. And then he went away for a long time. And it was their job to do something with that money. It was a portion of money. But Lori Beth takes it into what we would consider a talent or a gifting. And I love that application of this parable. And so basically what she's saying is God has given to all of you natural abilities right? Natural talents. We might say um, that those are hard to see in ourselves sometimes, but they can be as simple as this. If you know how to look in your pantry and your refrigerator and create a home-cooked meal out of that, I would say to you, that's a talent. You might not believe me, but I don't have that talent. So I can say to you, no, that's a talent, right? I look in my pantry and I'm like, if it doesn't clearly have a recipe about it, this brain cannot connect to food. My sister-in-law is amazing at going, what's here? Here's shrimp scampi. And I'm like, I didn't even know how you did that, right? It's a talent. It's something that we might not consider because it's so natural to you. It could be hosting a party. It could be running or exercise or CrossFit. I don't know what it is for you, but you've all been given different talents. 
for a lot of us, like I said, we struggle with knowing, is this a talent or is this just something everybody does? Because when we're so close to it and so familiar with it. A friend of mine, as we were going through this exercise, um, the, the exercise tells you to write down 20 talents that you have. For some, that's a hard thing to get to 20. For others, it's like they need to go past 20 because it's, you know, they have a lot of talents they can see. And so my friend Mary Beth, she said, um, I could not come up with one. And I'm thinking, I know this woman. She's an amazing woman. She has such a heart. You know, I could come up with five just off the top of my head right here. And she said, but I realized I need to ask a friend. So she gave the exercise to her friend and said, would you write a list for me? Her friend came up with 20 in less than an hour, sent it back to her. And when she started reading them, she said, I just really was blind to some of the things that I do naturally that other people might not do. So I'm saying that because this is going to connect to when we're talking about the gifts in a minute. But so we all have these natural talents. And then the exercise goes on like this. You list out 20 talents that you have. And then you go back through them. And now this is where it gets a little hard. And you ask yourself, which talents am I stewarding? And which ones have I buried? Because that's what happens in the parable, right? The man with the one talent buries his because he doesn't know what to do with it. The other two go off to become wildly successful. And so when I was doing this exercise, I listed out my 20 talents, and then I went through and I made little check marks of, yeah, I'm, I'm investing in that or I'm stewarding that. What does that mean? I'm taking time to do that. I'm, I'm, sending, I'm spending money in that realm, right? Like if I love to do art, then I'm going to invest myself in making time and buying canvases and all those kinds of things. You guys understand that. So as I would go through the ones that I had buried, I would have the same thought each time. And the thought was a certain person in my life is the reason why I had buried that. Just difficult conversations or not feeling like it was very accepted or, you know, things that we do. Like, I was really excited about this and somebody else wasn't. And then you just kind of, oh, okay, well, maybe it wasn't that big of a deal, right? So by the end of the 20 on the list, I had about five or so that I could say wholeheartedly I had buried completely. And it was a humbling exercise for me to do. And then I went back to the, the um, instructions. And the next instruction, she says, now who are you blaming for burying them? And I thought oh, that hurts because I was doing that and I didn't realize that that was part of the exercise, right? And so I, I came to Jesus and I said, you know what, Lord, I need to forgive this person. It's really not them. It's just my own insecurities that were allowing them to make me feel bad about it, right? But that's what happens in this parable. The one, the servant who gets the one talent, he buries it. And then what does he do? He blames the landowner. He doesn't blame himself. He doesn't take ownership for, he could have asked the other two servants that he clearly knew, right? There was a lot of options for him, but he didn't know what to do. He just buried it in the ground, gave it back, and, and really didn't have a good ending with that. And so there's something to be said with our natural talents of, are we stewarding them? A, are we aware of them? And then are we stewarding them? Are we taking care of them? And are we burying them, right? All right, so when we talk about talents, we can also talk about gifts from the Holy Spirit. So you guys ready to, to dive into that? So here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation today, so it's, it's probably going to look very different than yours. Um, so here it says, It's the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord Yahweh is one, and he is the one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. Let me pause there and tell you this. If you've been given a calling by God, maybe it's a business venture, maybe it's a, a calling by God to be a stay-at-home parent, maybe it's you know, a ministry that God wants you to start, all of that has been apportioned to you by God. Right? So there's no room in the kingdom for us to feel bad about what we've been given because God in his infinite wisdom dispersed it out to you. Okay? 
Verse 6, the same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results through each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. I love that. So it's the same God that's distributing these different kinds of gifts. What I don't see in this text or any other translation is some are better than others. Do you? But we think that, right? We look at that and we think, okay, so God distributed out these different gifts and poor me, you know, I got, I got helps, you know. I wish I got healing and miracles, but I got helps, right? It doesn't work like that. God, in his wisdom, dispersed it out purposefully. But then he also puts a loophole later on where Paul says, you can eagerly desire any of the gifts, right? If there's something that you're hungering for, you can go after it. You may not get it, but you sure can go after it. So there's always this clause where anything that's a burning desire in your heart, it doesn't necessarily mean it's completely off limits to God unless it's clearly sin, right? Psalm 16 tells us that his boundary lines have fallen for us in good places. So sometimes the gifts that we start with in our life are the ones that we can steward in that boundary line. But as we grow and continue to submit ourselves to Jesus and continue to hunger for him and learn about him and practice what he's been giving us, being faithful in the little, all of those things, he will add to you. Smith Wigglesworth, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, he's a revivalist. When did he die? Like 1910? Somewhere around that time frame, early 1900s. Okay, so he's been gone for a long time. Um, I, I, one of the first things I ever read about him, he was, they were talking about how he had all the spiritual gifts, is what they said. Now, I actually believe there's a lot more spiritual gifts than what are listed in this text, right? And the very first person who's listed as being filled with the Holy Spirit was actually someone working on the temple. So craftsmanship or what you make with your hands is actually also a Holy Spirit-breathed gifting. Sometimes we relegate somebody who makes beautiful furniture or whatnot to someone that's just, you know, that's a hobby. But hey, that is a ministry and a calling as well. I mean, clearly Jesus appreciated it because that was his job. So, uh, <laughs> so I think you can be filled with the Holy Spirit and be a carpenter. Um, anyway, so Smith Wigglesworth talked about how he wanted to have all the gifts. And I don't know at what point in his life he began to say, I have all the gifts working in my life. And I remember learning about that at the time. I thought maybe I had only seen one or two gifts on display. And I likened it to a tool belt. Right, if we're gonna make a project together, you need a tape measure, you sometimes need an Allen wrench, although you might not use it very much. You need a, a screwdriver, a flathead, and a Phillips head, right? You need all these different things to accomplish the task. But if you don't, if you only have one or two, then you need to go borrow from somebody else, right? So what Smith Wigglesworth was saying is, I want all the tools in my tool belt, so whatever situation I find myself in, I can whip out whatever is needed. For those of us that don't have the whole spectrum of the tool belt, all you need to do is be able to recognize what's needed in this time, and who do I know around me that has this gifting, and then invite them in. So as we start getting in in a few verses into what the actual giftings are, I want to ask you to do this for me. I want you to start paying attention to, do I have this gift? And then the second question is, who do I know that has this gift? Going back to what we were talking about with the talents, sometimes we forget to acknowledge what someone is doing that's like a gifting to them, right? It's so second nature. Like my husband, he's the best at putting my kids to bed. I am the worst. By the end of the day, I'm like, just go away, right? And I'm sad to say that, but it's true because any stay-at-home moms know by the end of the day, you're like, 
wow, <laughs> if you could just put yourself in bed. One comedian I love, he said, bedtime becomes a hostage situation, a hostage negotiation in reverse, right? I will give you anything, just stay in the room and stay in your bed. But Grant has this gifting to, he, it's unlocked when it comes to bedtime. So he sits with the kids for 20 minutes at a time, talking about their day, praying over them. It's amazing. And it's a gifting. It's a talent, right? And it's, it's not like he can do that. If you catch him at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, that is not how he is as a dad, okay? He's the one like me. He's, you know, in reverse, where I can have patience with them in the afternoon. It's just not there for him. But it's a gifting. And so if I take that for granted and never say to him, hey, this is a gifting that's on your life. This is a grace, a talent. Then, you know, he might not even look at it like that, right? So we're asking the question, do I have this gifting? And we're not going to feel bad if we don't. And then the other question we're going to ask is, who do I know? Because I would love it at the end of these um, conversations we're having about these giftings, if you reached out to a friend or two and said, you know, I see this gifting at work in your life, and it really blesses me. And when I'm in a bind, I know I can come to you because you can help me in this way. Okay, so verse 7. Here we go. Uh, Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all people. So what is that saying? Everything that you possess from the Lord, all the giftings and talents, there is revelation within that for you. There is open heaven revelation, if you want to use that language. God wants to reveal to you how to use those giftings and talents, how to steward them, how to grow them, how to invest them. And then also he will let that be something that bleeds onto other people. So when somebody comes to you and says, I need a word of wisdom or whatnot, and then you can say, well, I can give that to you because this revelation is not just for me, it's for all people. All right, so then he goes into this, verse 8. Now, this is where things get a little tricky in the Christian culture, um, not necessarily the kingdom of God, which sometimes those are different, is that um, we have, in a lot of ways, we've said, okay, these nine gifts that are listed here are the spiritual gifts, and if you don't have one of these, then you're kind of a lesser-right person, right? I just don't see that anywhere in the Bible, and I don't see that as the theme of God. And I love the Passion Translation because it says this. We've just been talking about the way God distributes his gift, and then verse 8, it says, for example. That's not in every translation, but for example, all of a sudden opens up the possibility that I'm just giving you a couple off of the top of my head. There are others. Somebody who makes a great coffee that everybody loves. I mean, honestly, these days that could be a gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Because if you've met one coffee fanatic, you have never met another one like them. But do you know what I mean? There's not one thing of coffee that everybody says, this is really good coffee. So if you find someone that can translate that, You got it. All right, so verse 8. For example, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. So here's our first um, specific gift, the word of wisdom. I forgot to say one thing. These gifts have been given to you at the point of your salvation. Okay, so when you come to faith in Jesus, it's like birthday, you're born again, and you also get these gifts from the Holy Spirit. I do 100% believe as you journey with God, he will add some to you. You'll begin to see new ones forming in your life, but you always are given some at the beginning. So the first one that's listed here is a word of wisdom. So what is a word of wisdom? I'm going to read to you this explanation. I'm not going to do that for all of them, but I think this one's really interesting. It talks about how um, it also could be translated the message of wisdom. It says, this is a revelation gift of the Holy Spirit, meaning it fits into what we would consider prophetic, that type of a mentality. It's a revelation gift of the Holy Spirit to impart an understanding of strategy and insight that only God can give. Anybody feel like they need that? To impart 
an understanding of strategy and insight that only God can give. I love that. The first time I, um, the most clear to me moment where I had the gift of word of wisdom or revelation of wisdom working in my life, I'm sure there were others, but I distinctly remember we were um, in the process of, of talking to the Lord about, we'd been called by God to plant this church, and we were sorting through some of the details about it, and I was really anguishing over one specific detail and just not really sure what God was saying, and so this is a great point when God brings the strategy, right? And so I felt very overwhelmed with needing the voice of the Lord, and, and he wasn't saying it to me um, in a way that I could hear. And so I remember sitting at Panera one day and I said, okay, Lord, I'm sitting here and I'm inviting your wisdom. I'm inviting your word of wisdom. And instantly I saw this picture that clarified everything for me. And I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, okay, this is the will of the Lord to, to clear up some of these details and proceed in what God had called us to. It was one of the most definitive moments where that word of wisdom was just bam, right? And it was instantaneous and it shifted something. So that's what the word of wisdom does. When you're around somebody that has this gift, it's pretty fun because when you get in a bind and you're going, okay, what do I, you know, I don't know how to do this. And they say, and you're like, I can do that. (laughs) 10 seconds ago, I had no idea. I have some amazing friends that are excellent parents and that's how they've been to me. I'm like, here's what I'm dealing with with my kid. Give me a word of wisdom. And the word of the Lord comes to them and here's the word of wisdom. And it's like, how did I not see that? You know, it's just how the gift works. All right, let's keep going. We're not going to get through a whole, um, we'll get through as many as we can today. So verse 8b, okay, to another, the same spirit gives the word of the revelation knowledge. So I said that wrong. Gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. Okay, your translation probably says word of knowledge. This is a gifting I hope most of you guys are pretty familiar with if you come here on a regular basis. We have a couple people that function in this gifting pretty regularly, so it's easier to see. What's a word of knowledge? It's a knowing of something you shouldn't know. That's a really simple (laughs) definition, but it's basically that. A word of knowledge is I just know this is what's going on. So one of the ways that works in this place is with healing, right? This is something we've been pursuing, learning, practicing, engaging with God is to have this word of knowledge in the realm of healing come to pass. So often every Sunday morning we actually take time to wait on the Lord. A lot of times this is a gifting Makobi has. He talked about this a little bit yesterday at Ignite Weekend. And, um, and so he, you know, he, like he'll say, okay, God is showing me, here's some things he wants to heal. More often than not, those things get healed with effortless ease. Why? Because there was a knowing of what God was wanting to do. Does it mean that he has a superpower? No. It's the gift of revelation knowledge, you know, even though he might want to, Black Panther style. But uh, it's the word of knowledge that's at work with that. I can tell you for me, I don't know why, but I thought word of knowledge was only healing for a really long time. And a few years ago, I had like a smack in the face of realizing a word of knowledge is actually prophetic as well. It can have nothing to do with healing. It can be, oh, I know this about your life. Or I know this is going to happen, right? I've had a couple situations. One of them, one of my favorites of this gifting was we were sitting, I was sitting in my living room a few years ago, and this was back when our church was meeting in our home, and, um, and I looked at my front door, and I just instantly knew the next person that's going to come to our church, and it wasn't a Sunday, it was like a Thursday, is going to be a family with two little kids, and uh, I, thought, I just knew, and so like the next Sunday or the one after is within a two-week time frame, this couple came to our church with two little kids, she was pregnant with her third, and they became one of the most foundational people of our church for a long time. They left a little over a year ago to go to California to do a ministry school out there, but that would be a word of knowledge, right? I knew, and the Lord was saying, showing me that to say, pay attention, 
grab hold. These are people I'm bringing to you to help you with your mission that you're doing, right? It's a word of knowledge. So we can have it in the prophetic realm. We can have it in the healing realm. I think you can have it in a teaching understanding where you're reading the word of God and you just instantly know this is what the Lord is saying. So anybody feel like you've ever had that gifting at work in your life? Cool. Okay, so anybody else feel like you've been the benefit of that gifting? Have you seen it working and just not like towards you? A couple more. Awesome. I love that gift. It's one of Grant's favorites. I will say to you too, just as a side note, since it's a popular one around here, not that the people, not if you have the gift, it makes you popular. That's not what I mean to say. But just that everybody likes this gift, right? Everybody likes this gift because you just know what God wants to do and it kind of makes it easy. That's my interpretation of it. But um, Randy Clark, this is one of the gifts that he functions in. He's the, uh, over the network our church belongs to, and he has an unbelievable healing ministry. And so he talks about five common ways that people receive words of knowledge. So I want to just you know, add this in since this is a, a gift we all desire here. Um, and one of the ways, I'm, I'm probably not going to remember all five, but one of the ways is that you physically feel God touching something in your body, right? For some people, it's like they'll feel heat or a tingling or a pain, and they just have a knowledge that it's not my pain. Like, my shoulder hurts, but it's not because I did something to my shoulder. It's just an awareness that there's pain there. So then it takes risk and faith to go, does anybody have shoulder pain? I remember when Caitlin was in high school, she was in our youth group, and we went on a mission trip to Branson, and she had a word of knowledge about shoulder pain. We were walking down the little avenue on the Branson landing, and she literally shot to her left and goes, do you have shoulder pain? To some random girl that was walking by. And the lady's like, I do. <laughs> and she got to pray for her. I don't know. Do you remember if she was healed? I think she was healed. Yeah, it would be weird if she wasn't. But, um, but it was like all of a sudden she had this word of knowledge just piercing her, right? You can have a word of knowledge happen to your body even if this isn't a gifting that's displayed in your life in a great manner, which is one of the things we really like about it. So you can um, receive a touch. One of the craziest ways a lot of people receive words of knowledge through dreams. Don't discount your dreams, right? There's a, a group in Africa that we heard a testimony from that they would they go to sleep and they dream the word of knowledge for what's coming in their church service and then those things get healed it was like okay what did you guys dream about and one person goes i dreamed about ears and one i dreamed about legs or whatever so they bring those to the church with words of knowledge and say does anybody have anything wrong with their ears and like deaf ears were being healed blind eyes were being opened i mean crazy miracles because while they were asleep they would dream a body part that's crazy right that's a word of revelation knowledge happening. So you can dream them, you can feel them, you can hear them from the Lord, you can see them um, in a fleeting thought. Yeah, like whoop, fleeting thought. Actually, that's something that happens to me quite a bit, like the fleeting thought. And I'm telling you, man, if you don't catch it, it's gone, <laughs> right? And then later you go, oh, I think maybe I had a thought about that. Oh, and then you feel bad because you should have been paying more attention. But anyways, so those are some of the ways. And then all of that can happen in the same, in the, in the prophetic realm, right? Where I'm praying for you and there's a knowing, hey, did you ever experience something like this as a child? Or did you ever, were you in a car accident? I've, I've been a part of a lot of prophetic times where it's like, were you in a car accident and this happened? Or, you know, some kind of trauma in their life. And the person goes, how did you know that? And it's like, well, it's a word of knowledge. So you guys excited to have that gift in your life? Be asking for it if you don't have it because it's fun. All right, here we go. Verse 9. And to another, the same spirit gives the gift of faith. So we have faith. We have the gift of faith. They're not exactly the same thing. It's kind of confusing, right? And I love when the Lord uses the same words to describe two different things. We have prophets and we have the gift of prophecy. Not exactly the same thing. 
Just because you prophesy doesn't mean you're a prophet. And honestly, some prophets are not really that good at prophesying because their gifting actually is pertaining to something else, and we'll get into that. But we have to kind of begin to separate. Just because the words are the same doesn't mean that it is the same. With all of these gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's not like a hierarchy of status or anything like that. You can have greater levels of the gifting, and the more you practice it, the easier it will be for you. But when we talk about like apostle, evangelist, those type of giftings, that's not like the creme de la creme of the gift of prophecy is not a prophet. It's actually two different things. So just putting a plug in there, um, while we have your attention on that, because faith and the gift of faith are not the same thing either. It's interesting why when, when we come to salvation with Jesus, we are always have to jump the cliff, right? There's never really a logical way to reason yourself into the kingdom of God. God just does that on purpose. There will be something before you that you have to make the leap over to trust in God. He does that because he wants you to experience faith in your life. Um, we can say, you know, for a lot of people who are logical, scientific-minded people, when they, they struggle with the virgin birth or they struggle with the creation that Adam and Eve were created, and God basically is like, look, this is a place where you have to jump over in faith to come to me, right? We um, exercise faith in all different ways and trust. We could say faith in our daily life looks like trust. It looks like love. It looks like obedience, but then the gift of faith is something entirely different, although there are some similarities. The gift of faith is an empowered belief that I know God is going to come through in this way. It couples together nicely with other gifts of the Holy Spirit, but it's like I'm not going to stop at anything because I know when I go this way, God will be with me. We see this really beautifully in the Old Testament, like when they're marching around the walls of Jericho. Who really knew that the walls were going to fall down? I mean, literally, that's a really hard thing to wrap your mind around. But there was the gift of faith at work there um, that was like, okay, show up. Trust God. See what happens. Right? So does that make sense? So the faith and then the gift of faith are, are different. The reason why I highlight that is because sometimes we need somebody in our life that has the gift of faith, but it's hard to know who to look for for that because shouldn't we all have faith? Right? And then the gift of faith is not the same thing as just positivity. <laughs> you know, I know it's going to happen, you know, it's going to be great. And some of us are not very positive by nature. And so when you hear that, if, if you're not a necessarily positive person, it's kind of like, I just, I struggle. I'm struggling to believe you, right? The gift of faith is like, God is saying this, we're going to align ourselves here. And then there's this, this like, yes, that resounds in the spirit because it's God at work. For our everyday faith, Jesus tells us all you need is a mustard seed to physically move a mountain from here to there. It's crazy. Right? So how much more could we move if you have the gift of faith at hand? Just saying. So as you're going through these different giftings, are you thinking about people that you might know that, that fit these things? I can tell you for me, Grant is someone that in my life has the gift of faith. You know, it's not necessarily always operating in his life, but when I need it to, I can call on it, right? Where we can say, what is God saying? And this is what the Lord is saying. And there's something that comes out of him. You guys have all experienced this where he goes, we're stepping out of this boat and we all can go, okay. <laughs> and we step out of the boat and something amazing happens. Somebody gets healed or somebody gets, you know, ministered to by the Lord. And it's like, wow, how did you do that? And that's the gift of faith among other giftings too, but trying to help you guys like rationalize that one because I think it's one that gets sort of misunderstood. The last one that we're going to tackle today is um, to another, uh, let's see, gift of faith, and to another the same spirit gives gifts of healing. So we just had our Ignite weekend this last weekend. I want to say a huge thank you to our worship team that like labored 
this weekend. They did, they've done four worship sets so far, Friday night, two on Saturday, and one today, and they're amazing, aren't they? Just incredible. We're going to pause and give you a round of applause to you fantastic four people um, that laid your lives down. It's amazing what they were able to do. And um, at our Ignite Weekend last night, we talked about the gift of healing or talked about a five-step prayer model to healing. And so some of the people that were here don't come to the church, but I don't know, did anybody count how many healings that there were? Four to six. Yeah, four to six people that were healed, and several of them were people that aren't even a part of our church, which was really cool. I mean, you know, one guy's over doing push-ups or burpees or whatever to test it out. You know, we've got Callie in the back jumping up, up and down, you know, different things happening. And it was really fun to see what happens when the gift of healing comes. So the gift of healing, now this is where I want to land on this for a minute to kind of help. On one hand, let me put it this way. On one hand, all the nuances don't really matter. It's all God right? It's all the giftings. But on the other hand, it's helpful to kind of understand some of the, the forms that these giftings take shape in. I just don't want anybody to say, well, this is only how it works, and just sort of create a formula around it, and then think that, then limit God in that, because it doesn't work like that either. But you have the gift of healing. You have words of knowledge related to healing. And then you have atmospheric healings, okay? When the presence of God comes and people just get healed. The first time I had ever experienced that was um, at a church that we were serving at a few years ago. And there was a worship time and a lady had come in with uh, something wrong with her shoulder. It was like really severe shoulder pain. And she didn't want to come forward for the ministry time because she was embarrassed. And before she left, as she was walking out the door, all of the pain left in her shoulder. And it freaked her out. Because she was like, I, didn't, I was purposely not going for prayer, you know? And before I left, it was like God was going, oh, no, sweetie, I want you healed. Let me get you healed before you leave the room. And so she sent an email the next day saying, I'm not sure what happened, but all my pain is gone. And it was like, wow, that's amazing. Something in the atmosphere, well, it's not something. We know what it is, right? The presence of God, not the mystical force. The presence of God in the atmosphere laid hold of her, and she was healed. So we have that. If you've ever been in a Randy Clark meeting or a Global Awakening meeting, you've seen these atmospheric healings happening. I'd never seen it. The first time I saw it, I thought, this is like bananas. Like, this is crazy. Nobody laid hands on you because we have this grid for the elders going and laying hands on you and anointing you with oil and healing comes like that. We have a grid in the New Testament for Jesus ministering healing with the disciples by praying over them, spitting in their face, and doing bizarre things, and they're healed. We don't much have a grid for the presence of God coming and everybody's just better, right? It's an interesting thing. That's, side note, something we're going for here, and I love when we experience that. That's awesome. Did you guys hear that? So last night, uh, Melody came. She got healed in worship before we even started the healing prayer time. Atmospheric healings. We've had that happen a few times here. I'm like ready to see where you just walk in the door and all your issues just fall off, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? So uh, we're going to go for that, Lord. <laughs> we may be a long way away, but we're going we're gonna to plow. Um, but there's something about when God, when the presence of God comes, the atmosphere, and the, and the presence of God in the form of healing, where people begin to just grab it, right? I shared that word earlier about the open earth, open heaven, where it just becomes easy. That's what this is like. This environment becomes, and you, you grab it. But it's not always like that, so we have the gift of healing, right? That doesn't always happen, although that would be ideal. So we have this gift of healing, and the gift of healing is like you lay your hands on someone and they get well. It's honestly that simple. I would say in our day and age, there are so many doctors and nurses that have the gift of healing that have no idea 
They have no idea it's the gift of healing working in and through their life, right? It may not be supernatural healing in the way that God wants to do for some of them, although for some, I've been hearing more and more testimonies of doctors who they have a, a word of knowledge of what's going on or they can diagnose you, you know, not saying that they're, those are two different experiences. They diagnose you with the problem and then there's doctors that will say, can I pray for you first before we start the treatment? And people get healed. That's great kind of medicine, right? That's the kind of healthcare that will revolutionize our nation. So, um, but the, the, the gift of healing, it comes and it's like God releases power through you. We can look at it when Jesus is in the crowd and the woman with the issue of blood comes up and she grabs on. She had the gift of faith at work, right? Faith was rising up in her heart. She latches on. The gift of healing just because of who Jesus was, zoop, there goes the healing and she's fine, right? So the gift of healing is awesome. I love it. You can see someone healed by laying your hands on them, by doing the, um, let me put it this way. People who have this gifting, it's easy for them to see the gift people healed, right? Then there's other areas in the Bible. I love how God, especially with healing, he sets up several back doors. There's atmospheric healing so that you can just get healed in the crowd. There's the gift of healing for the ones that he's like, lay your hands on them and they'll be well. Then there's like the, the other healing where, I think it's in 1 Timothy or somewhere there, where the elders go and they anoint you with oil and, and you're healed. And then if that doesn't work, you know, it's like all that you have a word of knowledge. There's no, there's a, no, no stopping God to see healing, Right? But the gift of healing is a really interesting one. I would say that this is one that gets tricky in a church setting because we almost start to idolize that gifting or we start to put people that have that gifting on a pedestal because for whatever reason their hands are anointed. And if your hands aren't anointed in that way, it can start to feel like, what's wrong with me? Or any of that kind of junky thoughts that don't exist in heaven, right? And so what we have to do as a church is say we want to celebrate the gift of healing. We want to celebrate the people that have the gift of healing and we don't want to idolize them, right? Sarah is one of the most gifted worship leaders that I've had the privilege of sitting under right? We have absolutely loved her, what she has brought with the presence of God and what's on her life, but it's not actually her. Everything that she does that's successful is the Holy Spirit moving through her, right? I, I feel like for my life, everything that I do that's successful, none of it had to do with me. I mean, you know, there's days where I feel like, wow, Lord, if you don't come, every day feels like that, but you know, there's other days that, that you really know, man, Lord, we might as well just go home if you don't show up, right? Because in and of myself or grant self, we have nothing to do. Anybody that you, like nothing to give that's, that's helpful. Anybody that you see that has these gifts of healing or when we start talking next week about miracles and some of those kinds of things, our tendency is to go, wow, look at you, right? But the gifts, I said this this weekend, but I'm going to say it again. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not there to exalt themselves. They are there to be a bridge to the heart of God, right? So we get out of balance when we look at the giftings and we put that gifting on display like, wow, we should all be like that, instead of realizing that the gift, it's a gift that's been given to our body to help us experience the heart of God. And the people who are using the gift, no matter what it is, any of these we've listed, the ones we'll list next week, whoever is using the gift is really just a servant of the king. They're just ministering what God has given them. And if God turned off the lights of the Holy Spirit in their life, it wouldn't happen. But the funny thing about God is he gives these gifts at salvation, and then because he's a covenantal God, he will not take them back. He won't. It's against his nature. So that's why we can see Christians who are, have no character, have immoral lives, doing ministry with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it can be so confusing and going, well, how is that, right? And we can get turned upside down, but if we look at it and say, okay, God, you never take away what you give. 
You never take away what you give. Any revelation that he's given you, even if down the road you backed away from the Lord, you changed gears, you changed your mind, what he's imparted into you, he will not remove. So when we can get out of the mentality of, okay, these Holy Spirit giftings, that these people did something really special to receive that, and so if I could just figure out what, to, you know, what special thing I could do, or maybe I just need to fast more, or you know, I'm reading your thoughts right now, right? Because I know some of you, we think like this, and we go, you know, what can I do, what can I do? And all of that is just formulaic thinking. It's almost looking at the gifting as the end point, which is never what it's for. The gifting isn't the end point, it's the road to travel to a deeper place with God, right? So we see the gifts of the Spirit on display here. I actually love that. You guys are here at this church because you want to be used by God. That's why you come here, right? That's something that we go after and we love. Um, I remember when Grant and I were hearing from the Lord on what he wanted for this church, one of the main themes that he kept talking about was church in, there is a blessing on this style of church that I'm about to say that we are not like. So I don't want to sound like it's bad, okay, because both are being used by God. And go back to my rainbow of God teaching, there's a place for everybody in the kingdom. But there's a place where when we just show up on a Sunday morning, we just receive, 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 and then we leave, that we never actually engage this part of God that God has given us, right? Your giftings, your contribution to the body of Christ, What if you have the gift of healing, but you don't know how to let it work in your life, so we go get a nursing degree or a doctoral degree or, you know, a homeopathic job or whatever, because we got to be connected to helping people get well, but maybe there's something underlying about it, but we haven't seen the gift of healing at work in our lives. You could go through every gifting and, and see that, but for us in this church and why we do so much activation and so much application is because we believe that it's for your good to use the things that are inside of you. That's why when we take time, when there's a word of knowledge, we take time to ask you guys to pray over each other. It's not just because that seems like a nice thing to check off the list and be like, okay, we, we did, you know, we played church. No, it's because we believe you guys access your giftings and bring the kingdom, right? All right, I could tangent on that for a while, but I won't. Um, okay, so the gift of healing. <clears throat> I want to say, too, that what you've experienced with the gifts of the Holy Spirit sometimes becomes our benchmark, but isn't necessarily supposed to be. So I remember when I first saw someone that had the gift of healing at work in their life. Grant and I were in a training school. It was like 11 years ago. He shared a little bit about this last night. And um, in this training school, the, the teacher was talking about how we don't beg God to heal. We command healing. There's no recorded in the New Testament at all of Jesus ever asking God to heal someone. He commanded their healing to come into play. But somehow, because we're insecure humans and we're not really sure how this works, it's really awkward to command someone to be healed, especially the first couple times that you do it. It's weird. And it's weird when someone does it to you because we're so used to them, you know, praying it. Oh, God, if you love this person at all, you will send the fairy dust of healing down to heal them, right? So in this, in this um, ministry time, this teacher was talking about speak to the condition and speak to heal. So we broke up into these groups, and the group I got in was a friend of mine, actually, who had really bad hip problems, and one of her hips had rolled Um, like, you know, it would roll out of place, okay? So she, at some point, would have to wear bands, like a band around her hips to keep them locked up, and she was an athlete. She loved, she was a marathon runner. She loved being really active, so this was not just a frustrating physical condition, but also, like, crippling to her, you know, love of her life, her exercise and whatnot. And so 
Um, so we're, the guy, his name's Steve, he comes by and he says, okay, put your legs out. Let's see, are they, you know, are they the same length? Because sometimes a lot of back pain is caused by legs not being the same length. And I didn't know that at that time. So she puts her legs out and they're clearly this different because her hip had rolled up. And she was explaining how about once every three weeks or so, she'd go to the physical therapist and spend an hour with him rotating her leg back and forth to unlock it so they'd be the same length. So she wasn't born with two different lengths. It was just the tendons. This sounds really painful. And it was. So she's physically like this, you know. And so he goes, okay, so somebody speak to the leg and tell it to grow. And so it's me and my friend Emily and then this, this girl. And I'm like, we're looking at each other like, you know, one, two, three, not it kind of thing. And it was like, speak to the leg and tell it to grow. Like, what is this? Some sort of witchcraft thing? I mean, I, I just had no grid. And so we we're kind of looking at each other. And I just, you know, I, you guys heard my story. So at that point, I was like, unless you tell me to do it, I'm not volunteering. And, uh, and so my friend Emily said, I guess I will. And he goes, okay, so speak to the leg and tell it to grow. And she goes, <laughs> and we're like sitting there together. And he goes, just tell the leg to grow. And he was just so like, it was as if, you know, two plus two is four. This is what you do. And we're both going, I think two plus two could actually be five or seven or three. I'm not, you know, it could be a myriad of other things. And so she put her face down towards the leg because we didn't know what we were doing. And I think he was just having fun because he let her. And so she puts her face down towards my friend's leg and she goes, leg, grow. <laughs> and he goes, no, 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 you don't have to put your face there. He goes, you just speak to leg and say, leg, grow in the name of Jesus. So she goes, okay, <clears throat> leg, grow in the name of Jesus. Now, I am not kidding. It goes instantly, like, I mean, we both were like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And it was so amazing because the, my friend, who that was her condition, she was like, she just started crying. She was like, it takes me an hour and a half to like get that to happen. In a second, God did that. So we got to keep praying over her and and the Lord, uh, and so one of the things that we were learning in that is learning what the gift of healing is like, right? And seeing it practice in our life. And so one of the things that, that he kept saying was, we asked the Father, what are you doing? Because that's how Jesus, that's the way Jesus healed people was, what is God doing, the Father doing, right? And so I saw this crazy picture of like a jail cell rods coming down around her hip. I don't remember if it was her left or right leg. I think it was her right leg coming down around her hip and like locking her hip joint in place. That's what I saw when I asked, Lord, what, Father, what are you doing? And so I said, okay, I'm going to pray this. I don't even know how to explain this kind of prayer. So I began to pray, God, like, you know, the, the jail rods, it was not, it was not a prayer that needed to be recorded, okay? And so when I, uh, when I finished praying this, this picture that I'd had and asking the Lord to come in line with that, she looked at me and she said, even right before you started praying, I felt like something like rods going down through my hip joint. Like that's what I felt, which was so confirming because that's what I had seen and, and, you know, what we were praying. And so what was the most amazing thing about this was flash forward five years, never once had her hip come out of place. It was locked in because of what God had done. So we saw all kinds of crazy miracles and, and, and healings in that time. And at the end of the teaching, this guy, Steve, he said, now I'm blowing your mind and all of you think that I'm like the best healer you've seen. He said, in my church, I have the smallest amount of this gifting. And we all were like, whatever, that can't be true. And he said, no, he said, I see hundreds of healings on a regular basis. Who we call our healing team, the ones that are gifted for healing, they're seeing thousands. 
And he said, so I don't ever want you to look at what I'm experiencing and say that's like what this gifting is. And it was, it was a mind-blowing experience to go, but I just witnessed you do something that I had never seen. And you're telling me that that's only like the tip of the iceberg? right? So we took that and we went on to, to utilize those prayer tips and ask God for the gift of healing. And I've seen, I think, three legs grow out now at this point. I've seen scoliosis spine snap straight four different times. One of them, you could audibly hear her spine snapping straight. It was quite a weird experience. And every single one of them, it's like you just sit there and you go, wow, I, I am not doing this. It's the gift at work, right? So I'm telling you that whole story because I want you to begin to even see who, what's your grid for what this gifting looks like is only the beginning, right? And so as we push ourselves closer to the heart of God, don't put any formula around what you see. Let's continually ask God to be amazed by him, to be enamored by what he's doing, and to see him come in more fullness. So that's all I have for you this morning. The, what I want to end with is, um, again, make a note to tell somebody if you saw one of these giftings at work in their life, send them a text, a Facebook message, whatever, and say, hey, I just want to encourage you. We're learning about spiritual gifts in my church, and I just want you to know you, you represent this to me. So next week, we will see you. We'll pick up. If you want to keep reading, read that 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, because that's where we're going to be in the next few weeks.